You're listening to. You're listening to. Let's get real. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Let's Get Real. You're listening to Ashley and Ashley, and that's about it. It's just me today, solo dolo, doing my first solo episode on this podcast. The first of many, because Brenda and I are no longer. Yeah, we got in a big fight, shit went down. I don't really fuck with her like that anymore. Um, so you're going to have to get used to me. Yeah, just me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, Brenda and I did not have a fight. We're family. We're always going to be family. She went on vacation. Well, not really vacation. She went on a trip. Let's just say that when she's ready to talk about it. I'm sure she'll talk about it. Um, so she did go on a trip to L.A. I'm so jealous. And because of that, you're just listening to me for this week, possibly next week. I'll be bringing on some guests. We're going to see what's going on with that. But for now, you have me. Originally, I had a different intro for you guys, but so much has happened over the weekend. I feel like my original intro could be so much better because I could fill you guys in on what's been going on over the weekend because it's been wild. I don't even know. I have no energy. I don't even know how I'm recording this right now. Um, But once we get through this intro, I'm going to get back to the original footage or I guess like audio footage of the episode, which is a whole other topic, which we'll get into, which is exciting. But for now, I guess we'll start off with an updated intro and a mental health check in. So I was about to say, Brenda, where are you at? But yeah, she's not here. So Ashley, where am I at? I am at, okay, okay, let's, let's break this down. Energy wise, I'm going to say I'm at a one out of 10. Um, the life has been completely taken out of me. I am not a human today. I am not functioning. It's just, I'm a mess. Um, I'm at a one out of 10 energy wise. And that has a lot to do with the fact that pride weekend just happened and it's the Monday following. So that means that like I did a three day back to, I feel like I was like on a three day bender really. It was like a back to back to back um, type of weekend. So yeah, energy wise one mood and all that like mental health in general. I think I'm like at an eight this week. I'm feeling really good. I'm in very high spirits. I had a really lovely weekend. I had a really shit weekend in some moments as well, but it was really cool. So I feel good about that. Um, friendships are good. Family's good. Kind of miss my family. Haven't seen them in a minute. Um, yeah, I'm chilling. So I would say I'm at an eight. I feel good. I feel great. I feel alive. No, I don't feel alive. That's a lie. I don't. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, let's talk about the weekend. I kind of want to tell you guys about my weekend. So let's do that. Let's start off with Friday. So I, again, I'm recording this on Monday. So this episode's actually going up today. This is going to be like the most live type recording we'll have ever put on our um, channel, I guess you could call it, because usually we record like a week before. But anyways, okay. Friday was a fun night. It was slightly uneventful, but it was still fun. So pretty much what happened was I was out through the day. I had a good day, whatever. At the end of the night, I called up Brenda and I was like, yo, do you want to go check out like the pride festivities happening? Because we live downtown. So it's very easy to just hop on a streetcar and go, you know, hang out, see the festivities, feel the energy of all the people celebrating pride and whatnot. So we got on the streetcar when she finished work. We poured up some soju with a mix of some coolers and got a little tipsy. It was cute. We got on the bus because we decided to bus. Of course, we're driving and um, we headed to like the gay village area on the bus. Oh, my goodness. There was this woman next to me and she was talking to me and she was like eating with her hands and like spitting 
and like the food was getting on my shoe and it was so disgusting sorry that's just like a quick side note it was traumatizing and we were so close to each other she kept touching my arm and her arm had like juices on it and her hands had juices on it from like the fruit salad that she was eating with no fork and she was like eating like vegetables covered in like watery liquid i don't know anyways i'm giving you a whole like story that's irrelevant yeah that was our way there we got to young and dundas which is like the Times square of toronto and that night spice was performing so if you don't know spice she's a reggae artist and she makes really good like dance hall music she's really good and she was performing that night but i didn't know that i did not know she was performing so i pull up to young and dundas square and i just see so many people like I'm telling you like like hundreds, thousands, thousands of people. It looked wild. It was like <laughs> it was insane. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Everyone's drunk. Everyone's drinking. Everyone's smoking. Everyone's half naked. I'm just so confused because nothing about it seemed gay. Like it wasn't like giving LGBTQ plus. It wasn't giving rainbow. It wasn't it wasn't any of that. It was just like it, honestly, it was a bunch of black people. Like I was like, why are there so many black people? I love it because I'm black. So I'm here for it. Like they are my people. But it's like what what did i miss is there something going on i was so confused and then i found out that the reggae singer came to perform like oh that makes sense wish i came earlier i could have enjoyed the vibe as well but honestly it was so packed that it kind of gave me anxiety because the last two times that i was in big crowds actually the last three times i was in big crowds um there were there was a shooting (laughs) which is so fucked up it's happened a couple times around me which is it's like i don't know i don't know what that means but yeah so all the people were kind of stressing me out because there was just too many of them but um once it started to get a little calmer i was cool with it it was fine anyways we walked down to um like the gay village so that's like church street in toronto and we just like walked through where the parade was supposed to happen like two days from them it was cool um honestly i wore the wrong shoes so i was having a hard time enjoying the walk so it got to a point where we're just like you know what let's turn around we went back we got a hot dog we got some fries We talked to a stranger and we headed on our merry way back home. So that night was slightly uneventful. Then there was day two of Pride. Day two of Pride was an interesting one. It was, I didn't spend it with Brenda. Friday was the only day that Brenda and I had together because she was busy this weekend prepping for her trip, you know. Um, So I spent the Saturday with another friend. Funny story. Not really funny story. Um, This is not me being shady, but... Um, I just want to say something. So (laughs) I made like (laughs) plans with someone that's, I guess you could say an acquaintance. You know, we met, we vibed, I liked her. So I felt like I could reach out to her and, you know, see if we could celebrate Pride together. Because I was like, why not? Like, I feel like we'd have a good time. She's always posting about, you know, uh, the festivities and like making friends in Toronto. So I felt like it was an open, safe space to like reach out and try and make a friend because she seemed cool. You know, she probably is. But I don't know. Anyways. So, um, yeah, I thought I was going to this pride event with her this whole time. And I found out like she was she wasn't answering a lot of my messages. So uh, it was really hard figuring out what the plan was. And then by the time it came to like two, three days prior, I kind of knew nothing. And I also found out she hadn't like bought her ticket. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I bought mine and I'm not going with anybody but you. So I felt kind of weird because it was like. I, I did tell her that I had no one to go with and um, I don't think she cared to me. It was like, if you don't want to go with me, just say so, just say so. Uh, but she didn't. So I kind of got left hanging in that regard. Um, didn't even get a message explaining it or, uh, a, hey, I'm going to flop on you message. Like it was literally I just got ignored. Um, 
which felt shitty. It felt very shitty because I bought my ticket. I thought we had plans. And in the two weeks that I had assumed we were going to go together, I could have asked other people to go with me. And I didn't do that. I should have known better. I should have known better. I'm in a city like Toronto. This is, this is how people are. It is what it is, you know. So I had to like kind of scramble and figure out what I was doing last minute because I was I had no one to go with. Everyone was busy. No one had booked it off. You know, I, I had no one to go with. And then funny enough, my friend called me and she was like, hey, blah, blah, blah. we're just talking. I was like, yo, just come through. Come come downtown. We'll figure it out. So she ended up coming down and I assumed that she wouldn't want to. I don't know. I don't know why I didn't think to ask her. But anyways, yeah, she called me that day and it just worked out. So she came through, thankfully. And I don't know what the other girl ended up doing. Hope she had a great time. But yeah, didn't spend it with me. I could tell you that much. So my friend comes through and we spend the day together. We go to like Church Street, which is where all the festivities go on. It was so fucking fun. Like there was this like there were like block parties on like all down the street. Everyone was shaking their ass, drinking, making out. It was beautiful. Like the energy was so beautiful. There was this one like Britney Spears dance party. They're like playing like Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera. Um, what's it called? Black Eyed Peas, like throwbacks. And it was so fun. Oh, my God. Like I felt the energy there was so high and everyone was so supportive and everyone was complimenting me. It was so sweet. They're like, I love your piercing. I love your this. Your outfit's so good. Everyone was so sweet. And I was like, damn, like, wow, I love pride. I forgot how much I loved pride. Like I usually go and I haven't been in three years. So it was so nice to experience it again. It felt so, I don't know, like the energy was so contagious. And I just kept saying that to my friends. So anyways, we went for the lock parties and then we went to take some shots at a bar Um, We just went all around. We met some strangers, some guy from the UK who was, (laughs) listen, I don't want to assume anyone's sexuality, but the man was clearly not straight. And he kept saying to me, I'm straight. I'm straight. I I like men. I don't like men. I don't like men. I'm straight. I'm so straight. I'm not gay. He said it like four times. Listen, I never said you're gay. So why do you feel like you need to tell me you're, you're not gay? It's cool if you are like you're at pride, you know, you're enjoying the festivities like that's fine. Like it's fine. But anyways, it was it was so interesting. So we were chatting with that person. Um, I got extremely, extremely drunk. <laughs> yeah. So the plan was to meet with some friends, I guess, and um, just kind of continue the night from there, like maybe around like nine, ten o'clock. So we left the block parties. We had back to mine, freshened up eight and then we were ready to like hit the streets again we were supposed to go to like this like a gay event um in the city and that didn't really work out because i don't i don't know why it didn't work out okay it just didn't <laughs> so then my friend invited some of her friends so i ended up kind of like spending the night with a bunch of strangers oddly enough and it was cool i mean the night was kind of weird it was a li- there was a little bit of a weird vibe um uh, i had fun i had fun but it was it was a little complicated um I kind of like fifth wheeled a little bit so that was interesting to me I felt like I was in Love Island and everyone was coupled up with me that's what it felt like even though that wasn't the energy and nobody intentionally made me feel that way I just felt a little awkward so I feel like I didn't have the time that I wanted to have that night um like I didn't have as good of a time so by the end of the night I was just tired and I wanted my bed Anyway, so that was that night, and then I went to, like, another, like, gay event at the end of the night, and then on Sunday, Sunday was my favorite day. Sunday was my favorite day. By the way, I'm almost done my weekend recap, and then we will get into the topic. Um, Sunday was fun. My friends came over to pre-drink, and honestly, like, we had such a good time just, like, joking, laughing, pre-drinking, and then we went to a day party outside, 
sorry, not outside, not outside because outside was over capacity. So we never got to go outside. We were only allowed inside the club venue. So it was like a daytime event, but it did feel like nighttime because it was dark as fuck in there. And it was packed, but it was such a good time. The DJ was so good. We were dancing, we were drinking, we were having so much fun. All of us, it was just like all us girls. And I love these girls. Like they're just such amazing company. So we did that. And then we went for Mexican food and we were just like, uh, we were just a drunk mess in the restaurant, like having a good time. It was such a fun weekend, even though it wasn't that wild, crazy, um, even though Saturday didn't go the way that I wanted it to. I I had a good time. I think the daytime on Saturday made up for the nighttime because honestly, just being on Church Street was just like the best feeling ever. Like it was so fun. And then the Sunday whole day was just amazing. I was in bed by 12, which was beautiful. I, that's that's why I love day parties. Like you party until nine o'clock, you go get food, you're home by 11, you're in bed by 12. So I'm not like exhausted. I'm exhausted. I don't know who I'm lying to, but I'm, I'm, I'm less exhausted than I would be if I went to bed at four, of course, but I had the worst sleep ever. And I had a hundred dreams. Um, so yeah, there's that. Anyways, overall pride weekend was amazing. It was so much fun. And I highly suggest to people who have never celebrated Pride to go out of your way to celebrate. There's also a lot of other things that I wish I could bring up on this episode right now. But I feel like it will just end up being an Ashley's Life Update podcast. And I don't think you guys give a fuck. So, I mean, hey, if you're interested in that, check out my Patreon. Patreon.com slash Ashley Flores TV. But if you're not, then stick around for the rest of this episode. Because today we're talking about relationship cocooning. Let's get into it. Relationship cocooning. A term that I had never heard before until I was listening to Shan Boudram's episode of her podcast called Lovers and Friends, which, by the way, is the most amazing podcast I have ever listened to. It is a work of art. The production value, the quality, the time that she puts into it. You could just feel that she puts her heart and soul into that podcast. Honestly, if there's one podcast that you should listen to other than ours, of course, it is called Lovers and Friends by Shan Boudram. Anyway, so she invented a term called relationship cocooning. And when I heard the episode on this topic, I was like, oh, my God, what a perfect way to put it. So I'm going to just grab a little clip from her podcast and let you guys hear her explain exactly what it is. Relationship cocooning. Wow. Relationship cocooning occurs when someone gets into a romantic bond and through the strength of that connection is able to grow and evolve in ways that they could not have on their own. However, a point is reached where that person realizes that in order to get to their next phase of growth, they gotta leave the cocoon, AKA the relationship. Cocooning happens all the time in other areas of life. Like when you go to high school, but then leave for university. Or when you take on a starter job, then jump into a bigger role once you gain what you could from the former. But when it comes to romantic relationships, this can be a tougher pill to swallow. So relationship cocooning is something that I've already been aware of, but I just didn't really know how to put it into words and I didn't have, you know, like the terminology for it. So when I heard her break it down, I was like, oh, my God, we got to talk about this on the podcast. And then I realized the solo episode was coming up. So I was like, you know what? It's a good time to talk about it because I have been through this multiple times, even with the same person multiple times, which is so crazy. So. I want to talk about it a little bit. So I actually can't remember if she mentioned this on the episode or not, but I just want to say this. In my opinion, relationship cocooning is not strictly romantic relationships. I think it's actually a lot of um, platonic ones as well. Honestly, in my own experience, most of my relationship cocooning situations have actually been platonic friendships. I've had so many friends that were in my life for a reason and a season. 
and I literally have way too many situations to count. A lot of friends, actually, I feel like I was a crucial part of their like healing and um, personal development journey, not to like toot my own fucking horn, but I know the value that I add into people's lives. I would usually be there for them for a certain period of their life, and once they didn't need me anymore, they kind of moved on, which is really sad, and I ended up feeling kind of used because it happened a lot. So for example, in these situations, maybe you'll find that you resonate with it. I had friends that were going through breakups and they needed me. They clung to me. We got super close. And as soon as they had healed or went back to their ex or found a new man, suddenly I wasn't around anymore and they didn't need me anymore. Or another friend, for example, I pushed her to go back to school. I helped her out. You know, I'm not saying I'm the reason she went back at all. She did that on her own, but I was definitely a big part of it. We carpooled together. I had her over at my house to study all the time. I was always pushing her to study and yeah, she dropped out of school shortly after and she cut me off when she didn't really need me anymore to be there as her like motivator, which is crazy. Another friend just wanted a good time. And when she made more party friends, she was done with me. I've also really been there for people when they're struggling with their mental health and when they find themselves to be in a better place, they just like go ghost. And it made me look at myself and think, am I the problem? And then I learned not to take it personally because I was like, you know what? Sometimes we just don't have a place in people's lives anymore. And maybe they need us in order to grow and maybe we need them. I'm sure that they help me in so many ways as well. One of those friends taught me that I could have a true like sisterhood type of friendship with a female. Another one of those friends taught me not to trust people. Another one of those friends taught me that it is possible to keep your friends while in a relationship. And I vowed to myself I would never be that person who self-isolated when they have a boyfriend. So I learned from them as much as they learned from me. But I won't lie. It does hurt sometimes. It does. I'm over all these situations now. But at the time, it was shitty. You know, it was really shitty. I felt used. But on the romantic side of things, I have had the situation in which I needed my partner in order to grow. I needed them and they needed me. I don't know for what, but we have our own journeys and our own lessons. With my last relationship in particular, the one that I reference a couple times on the show, a couple times, more than a couple times, um, it's the main relationship that I had in my life. And I learned so much from it that it's something that's going to come up in my story. It was a part of my story and me bringing it up doesn't mean I'm not over it. It doesn't mean I'm thinking about this person. It just means that they were a big part of my healing journey and that's okay. I was probably a big part of theirs and it's something that I'm going to bring up. This relationship that I was in was a wake-up call for me. I had to go through that in order to grow through it. It was a very heavy experience. It was a lot, but it was so crucial to my growth. It's insane. I remember the first breakup we ever had because we had like a hundred breakups. The first one was the most life-changing for me. That's the one that woke me up. It helped me become self-aware. It helped me learn to prioritize myself. It helped me learn to break out of my shell. In so many ways, it changed me and it wasn't until I was out of the relationship that I was able to make these changes. When I was in it, I didn't see anything wrong with me. I wasn't self-aware. You know, I was just living in the moment. I wasn't really thinking about anything else. And yeah, cool. That can be fun sometimes, but it's not always the most healthy, to be honest. So yeah, as soon as we broke up, it's like my eyes opened. It was actually like such a strange experience. We broke up and suddenly I was like, holy shit, that needed to happen. So we ended up back together eventually and I kind of undid all the healing that I had done during my time away from him. We had a three-year cycle of being together and broken up. And by the final breakup, the grand finale, as I like to call it, that happened in April 2021, that was actually even more life-changing than the first, I should say. That one was crazy because all of the lessons and the healing and the growth that I had thought happened during that time 
were so small and insignificant compared to the changes that I made after the breakup. And I truly believe that if I had stayed in that relationship, I don't know where I would be in life right now. I think I would be lost. I think I would be depressed. I think I would be not okay. I wouldn't have any ambitions. I wouldn't, it's like, it's not even that I'm blaming it on him. It's more just the fact that I, I needed to be on my own in order to see my life for what it was. And sometimes that's just how it goes. That breakup changed me. It helped me learn what I want in someone, what I don't want, what my non-negotiables are, what my standards are versus my preferences, what I can provide, what I want to provide, how to love, how to be empathetic, how to be emotionally intelligent, how to communicate. These are things that I learned after we broke up. If I had stayed in that cocoon, I would not have transformed. I needed to break out of the cocoon and spread my little wings and fly away and transform that's what I needed and staying in that relationship would equate to staying in that cocoon and if you're a butterfly sorry not a butterfly if you're a caterpillar and you stay in your cocoon what's happening nothing's happening there's no growth there's no growth you need to break out and fly your little wings (laughs) it's so corny but it's so true when I heard Shan Boudram explain it the way she did I was like oh my god why has nobody ever thought of this term before and that's why I love her podcast I learned so much from it and it's absolutely beautiful all right so now that we've talked about relationship cocooning I understand that a lot of people are in relationships that they're not quite ready to walk away from yet And the first thing that I want to say to you is that no matter who is telling you what you need to do and what you should do and how unhealthy and how toxic it is, this, that, and the third, I want you to know you will leave when you're ready. That's it, period. What's not meant for you will not stick around. And if this relationship is not meant for you, you will leave when you're ready or you guys will separate when the time comes. Whatever that means to you, it'll happen. So Don't be too hard on yourself when you know you're in a relationship that's not serving you and you don't know how to walk away or you're scared to be alone. All these things, I understand. Do I think those are valid reasons to stay in a relationship? No. But do I understand that sometimes when you love someone, it's not so black and white? Yeah, I get it. Because if it was so easy, none of us would be in toxic relationships. I wouldn't have ended up in a three-year cycle with my karmic, who I truly believe didn't need to go on for so long. I could have learned the lessons in a year had I allowed the breakup to happen but I wasn't ready and I left when I was ready and I'm happy it happened that way so to the people who are kind of struggling with the idea of leaving their partner I want to say that this is your sign that you should start thinking about it so on that note I want to give you guys 10 signs that you're in a toxic relationship you can apply this to any type of relationship I'm gonna say that I'm mostly talking about romantic relationships but these definitely can apply to platonic relationships so let's talk about it all right 10 signs that you are in a toxic relationship if four or more of these apply to you I highly suggest do what you need to do and cut that shit off because what's not serving you is not meant for you don't keep the dead weight around cut that shit off all right Number one, there are red flags in the beginning and you ignore them. Red flags in the beginning, not okay. They're not okay because if it's the early days, like it's the first, you know, three months and you're starting to see these red flags and I'm not talking orange flags, I'm talking red flags and you're seeing them and you're just like, oh, we can work on that. Oh, no, no, no. It's just because it's so soon. Like I'll talk about this with him in a few months when we're closer. No, to me, red flags, they don't go away. They do not go away. They actually just get worse. All of the reasons that my ex and I broke up are all red flags that I saw within the first two months. Had I ignored them, I could have avoided myself a lot of heartbreak and stress. 
Am I glad that I didn't ignore them? Yes, I'm glad because that's what brought me into the karmic cycle and the relationship cocoon that allowed me to spread my wings and fly. However, you know, the other side of me that just wishes I didn't have to go through all that. It's like, damn, like you really could have avoided all this. Had you just listened to your gut and not ignored the red flags? I'll give you some examples. Overly possessive, controlling, misogynistic, lack of communication, disrespectful, you know, maybe they're a little too aggressive when you're fighting, things like that, that pop out and you're like, ooh, I don't like this. This doesn't sit well with me. And you just ignore it because you're like, oh, like he's just having an off day. Oh, he's just having a sixth off day. Oh, this is just, you know, it's only the third time this has happened. No, not normal. Stop ignoring the red flags. That's a big sign that it's going to get toxic. Number two, if you find that you are not telling your friends about any of your fights, I think you should look into that because to me, it's usually a sign that you're in a toxic relationship. The reason why I say that is because when you're not telling your friends about your fights, it's because you feel like they might view your partner differently and you know you're going to forgive them. So you don't want to taint their perception of the person that you love. I'll give you another example. You know, let's say um, my non-existent boyfriend and I are fighting because he started yelling at me uh, simply because of the fact that I liked a guy's picture on Instagram. In my mind, I know how ridiculous the fight is, but we've already talked about it and I'm kind of like, okay, cool. I'll just stop liking pictures like you don't have to scream at me. You know, we talk about it. We move on. These are one of those fights that are not normal, at least in my opinion. Obviously, everyone's relationship and perception of boundaries are different. However, in my opinion, it's not normal. So for me, if I go through something like that, I'm probably going to keep it in because I'm embarrassed to tell my friends about this stupid fight because they're going to look at him and be like, he's so controlling, he's possessive, he's jealous, you know what I mean? So I'm like, why should I tell them that when they're just going to judge him and I don't tell them? And then the next fight happens and I don't tell them. And then I start getting in the habit of just keeping all of our arguments to myself because I don't want to make him look bad. Newsflash, I'm not making him look bad. He's making himself look bad by being a shitty person. And to me, I think it's important to sometimes talk to your friends and your loved ones about what's going on because they don't have the rose-colored glasses of love that you put on when you got in this relationship. Love is blind, okay? Love is blind and sometimes we don't see things for what they are and we need our friends and our family and our loved ones to tell us what the fuck is going on. So I definitely think that if you find that you're keeping a lot of your fights a secret, there's a reason for that. Dig deeper. Number three, on the topic of fights, you're having the same fights over and over and over again. Not healthy. That means you guys have an issue with either communication, boundaries, respect, because if somebody communicates what they don't like and, you know, it happens to be a fight again because somebody crossed that boundary. Okay, one, two times. I get it. But after like three, four times, if you're fighting over the same thing, it's like, why aren't we getting anywhere? What is it? Is it that we have, you know, incompatible communication styles? Is it that somebody's not giving a fuck about how the other person feels and just wants to do what they want to do and doesn't have respect for their needs and their wishes? Like, what is it? Because a relationship is two people, of course. We, I mean, not all of them. <laughs> a monogamous relationship is two people. And in these relationships, I always like to say that it's you and your partner against the problem, not you and your partner versus one another. So if it's you and your partner against the problem trying to come to a solution, then why are you having this argument five times once a month? You know what I mean? It's, it's not right. Not normal. Number four, 
this is something that I experienced in my relationship. Um, feeling sick and nervous every time you need to have a serious conversation. I'll give you an example because I love giving examples. But you know what? I'll pull one straight out of my own dating history book. So this happened in my last relationship. Um, every time we would kind of have like a disagreement or something, my ex would shut down and would not want to speak to me at all. At the time, I didn't realize how manipulative that was, but that's a whole other story. So because of this, there would come a time that I knew we had to talk and anticipating that talk was never just like, okay, yeah, we're going to like meet up and talk today. It would be, oh my God, we're meeting up and talking today. My stomach is in knots. I can't eat. I can't think. I can't focus on anything. I'm staring at the time, counting down the minutes until we're going to sit down and have that conversation. And I'm in knots and I'm going to take a CBD oil tincture and put it under my tongue to calm down and then eat a CBD gummy and maybe take a lorazepam to be able to deal with all the stress that's coming with having to have this conversation not normal. (laughs) Honestly, I look back and I'm like, why was I so stressed to talk to my partner? It should have just been, hey, we're having a problem. Let's come together and discuss it. It was so much deeper than that for me. It was so hard to have these conversations because I knew that they were not going to go well. I knew it would result in everything being my fault and I knew I'd be having a mental breakdown by the end of it. So I would have the most anxiety ever coming into it and I thought that was normal. I really thought it was normal and um, I quickly realized it wasn't. Number five, kind of on that topic, um, you avoid telling your partner how you feel about certain situations and confronting them because you're trying to avoid an argument. You're probably doing this because you know the argument is not going to go your way. A good and healthy relationship, you won't have this problem. You'll be able to come to your partner, have a discussion, come to a solution, move on. An unhealthy and toxic relationship, you're going to come to your partner, try to have a discussion, Maybe they'll gaslight you. Maybe they'll get defensive. Maybe they'll pin it back on you. Maybe they'll say it's your fault. Who knows how it's going to end up, but you decide that at some point it's not worth me bringing up because I want to avoid this argument. So you just start bottling things in and then what? Then no one's able to change. And then you're in a miserable, toxic cycle of getting upset, holding it in, building it up, not communicating it and moving on. And you're going to resent them for it. And it's not fair. It's not fair that you have to feel like you can't talk to them, but it's also not fair that you're not giving them the opportunity to change because you don't want to communicate your feelings. However, I do understand that in most cases, it's actually the other person's fault that you don't want to communicate because they probably don't give you a safe space to do so. So at that point, it just comes down to a lack of compatibility and you should probably end the relationship. Number six, this one is pretty simple. You don't see your friends as often once you get into the relationship. If you find that you're in a relationship and you used to see your friends every Friday for fucking movie night or something or every Tuesday you'd go get the lunch special and suddenly you don't see your friends and you haven't seen your best friend in three months, it's not really normal. I mean, of course, in the honeymoon phase, obviously, there's going to be a few months of I want to spend every waking second with my partner and that's okay. That's not always a toxic thing, but eventually... You kind of get into the swing of things, you have a routine with them, you get a little used to them, and you're ready to start socializing again. And if you never get to that point and you're like two years in and you haven't seen your friends in a year or more and you only see them on birthdays and special occasions and you don't really talk to them anymore, I think you should figure out why and what went wrong and where the disconnect started. And if it started around the time you got into your relationship, then the math is math in and you got to do what you got to do. Number seven. You prioritize them over your own wants and needs to avoid losing them. 
to me, this is a form of codependency. When you're choosing someone else over yourself, I just don't think that's okay. Obviously, sometimes you'll put your partner first, you know, in healthy situations. But if you feel like you're constantly going against yourself to please them because you're scared that they're going to get upset or they're going to leave you, that's not okay. That's not okay at all. I was constantly sacrificing my own needs and going against things that made me uncomfortable to please my partner. And sometimes my partner, like, he didn't even ask me to do these things, but it was one of those relationships that I just knew the outcome if I didn't. And I felt really pressured in certain situations that I don't really want to get into. But I was going against my own wants and needs to make this person happy, to avoid an argument or to avoid losing them or to avoid them having something to say about me. And this is something that so many of even like all a bunch of my girlfriends have gone through that with their boyfriends or their partners, you know, they feel like they kind of just have to let shit slide and, you know, tolerate certain behaviors and not speak up and not do what they want to do because they don't want to lose their boyfriend. It's because they're scared to be alone. I think that's all it comes down to. It's a fear of independence. It's a it's a codependency. It's just I don't want to be alone and I'd rather have bad company than no company at all. And I think that's how some people feel. They just want companionship so bad that they put themselves in these situations that are not serving them. And it's not okay. And I understand why people do it because I've done it. I get it. But it's not okay to go against yourself. And if you feel like you're doing that, I think you really got to look at yourself and ask yourself like, hey, why don't I love myself enough? Why don't I respect my own needs enough to set boundaries and, you know, navigate through this relationship in a healthier way? Why am I okay with this treatment and this behavior and going against myself? Really sit down and ask yourself that because honestly, it's important. And I don't think enough people really think about that. This one is as simple as something called your gut feeling. When you have that gut feeling that you know you shouldn't be together, you got to listen to that gut feeling because I had that gut feeling on day one, day 30, day 365, day 550. I had that gut feeling the entire relationship. I got so used to that gut feeling. I think I just had like a permanent little bubble of anxiety in my stomach that I didn't realize was actually my gut feeling. I knew damn well that relationship was not for me in my in the depths of my soul my subconscious my gut like I knew it but I pushed that shit to the side so that it wasn't so loud in my brain anymore and I was able to ignore it but I shouldn't have and when you feel like you know in your gut you know you know in your gut no matter how much you want to be in denial you know it's not for you you have to listen to that because eventually shit's gonna go down But do you want shit to go down seven years from now when you're like so emotionally invested or would you rather it happen year two, year three? Honestly, year three is the sweet spot. You learned a lot, but you didn't waste too much time. You know what I mean? So if you have that gut feeling, you need to listen to it. Don't just stay with someone because you're comfortable or because you love them because you know what? Love isn't enough. That's one thing. There's so many other factors, you know, especially compatibility. That is like the number one that you got to look at. Love is not enough. Number nine, if you're in an on and off relationship, that in itself says toxic. There is no reason that you should be breaking up and getting back together. I understand one breakup, some time apart, and then a reunion, and then you're good and you try again and blah, 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 blah. But I think after the second round, exes are an ex for a reason. Summer Walker said it best, ex for a reason. You don't need to be going back. 
I understand why you do again. And I do think that a second chance is okay. And if it doesn't work out, then that's okay. At least there's no what ifs. I think that's totally fine. And you know what? It's something that I might do again. I don't think I will, but I might. You just never know. But I think if you are in a cycle of, oh, yeah, we've been together for like five years, but technically it's only been three because we've been on and off for like the whole entire time. Like, that's not normal. That is not normal. And the thing is, by like breakup number three or four, it becomes normal that you don't even realize. Like, you'll have a fight. For example, me, every time we fought, I thought we were going to break up. I think the next person that I'm in a relationship with has to probably deal with a, a little bit of that baggage. I'm trying to heal it right now, but it's hard to do when you're not in a relationship. I feel like I'm going to be in a fight with my next partner, and then I'm going to be like so are we still together? And they're probably going to be like, why the fuck would we not be together? And I'm going to be like, oh, because we fought. (laughs) I really think that that's the PTSD that I have because of the fact that a breakup was kind of like constantly hanging over my head whenever I did something wrong or whenever there was a fight. So if that's a situation you're in, it will fuck you up. It will. And it will give you some trauma that you're going to have to work on through the next relationship. So if you can avoid all that, I say have a finale, have the grand finale breakup and move on because having a cycle like that is not healthy for you. It becomes this addictive chase and it's just not okay. Lastly, number 10, they bring you more stress than peace. This is not okay. If you find that you're crying more than you're laughing, you're you're frowning more than you're smiling, and you're just constantly anxious and fighting and stressed, and you're never really like, hmm, I love my partner. I feel safe and secure and amazing and good. I think you should really, really, really look into that because you know what? It's not fair to you to have to go through that. It's not fair that you're constantly stressed. A relationship is supposed to bring you peace. They're supposed to help you grow and evolve and nurture you and help you become your best self. They're not supposed to keep you stressed out getting wrinkles at 25 years old. That's not what's supposed to happen. You're not supposed to be smoking weed every night because you're so stressed about the relationship. You're not supposed to be drinking every time you're with them because you don't know how to function as a sober couple. You know, none of these things are okay. So if you find that you're constantly stressed, then look inwards, ask why, and ask if this is the way that you want to live the rest of your life, being stressed out. And it only gets worse when you throw marriage and kids on top of it and mortgages and joint bank accounts. It all gets more stressful. So if you don't have a solid foundation walking into that, then you definitely got some shit to work on. All right, so that wraps up this part of the episode. That was the 10 signs that you're in a toxic relationship. If four or more apply to you, I think that should be very telling to you. Honestly, I think if any of them apply to you, it's pretty significant. But of course, you know, no relationship is perfect and we're all going to have our flaws and our downfalls. So that's okay. Don't be too hard on yourself. But just know if you feel like this relationship is not meant for you and you feel a lot of guilt for staying in it and you don't know how to walk away, I just want to remind you that you will leave when you are ready. Just if, if you believe in God, spirit guides, whatever, meditation, sit with that and set the intention that you will leave when you are ready and hopefully you are ready sooner rather than later because time is precious and you know what time is time is something that you can't get back so yes learn the lessons you got to learn but also if you don't need to waste four years of your life and you can learn everything in one year i highly suggest making that happen you don't have to be in your cocoon for four or five years you can be in your cocoon for a year spread your wings break out and fly 
All right, before I wrap up the episode, I actually do have a message, an advice message this week. So I'm excited to get into it. Unfortunately, I'm looking at it a little late. So hopefully this person is still in need of some advice. If you are, I hope I help you. So I'm going to go ahead and read off their question to us, answer it to the best of my ability, and then wrap the episode. So let's get into it. All right, this person said, Hey, Brenda and Ash. Sorry, girl. Brenda's not here right now. So you're just dealing with me. I wanted to know your advice on a weird friendship I had slash have with this guy. Basically, we used to be very close. And ever since I cut off this mutual friend that we shared who he used to date until they became friends. Huh? We'll keep going. Ever since I cut her off, we've grown apart so much. I still see him in school. Anytime he DMs me, he always says we barely talk anymore. And it's weird because there was a point to where we were so close over text, but never talked in school. I tried to cut him off, but it felt odd to send a paragraph because he would never do anything to directly hurt me. It was the feeling I was left with after. I still want closure from him, but we barely talk. So I feel like it'd be weird to send him a paragraph. I'm not really sure what terms him and I are on. Let me know your guys thoughts. All right, girly. Well, girly, I'm sorry. I don't want to assume your gender. All right, friend. I I mean, we did an episode on cutting people off, so I highly suggest you listen to that if you haven't already. It's episode 69 if you're curious. I always encourage people to reach out to old friends. Honestly, I, sometimes I, I... Listen, I don't think closure is necessary, but I think there is a form of closure that can be healthy and it can help you move on. I reached out to an old friend not too long ago. She never answered. I felt better knowing that I said my piece and I said what I need to say. And she knows that, you know, I'm cool and we have no bad blood and all that. So, you know what? Sometimes you got to do what you got to do for your own piece. Maybe they don't give a fuck. Maybe they're really excited to hear from you. Maybe they can't stand you. But I don't think the outcome should matter. If you're not attached to the outcome, I think it's something that you should do. But if you're sending this message in hopes that he's going to respond and you're going to be friends with him again, I think you need to be honest with yourself about it. Because if you're just messaging him to like cut him off and get closure, I just feel I feel like there's no point in that because it's like if you're just going to message him to cut him off, but you guys don't talk, it's like clearly you're not over it. I don't think that's what you want. I'm not trying to dig too deep into what you're saying. I want to take your word for what you're saying. But from what I'm reading, it's like. I don't think you want to message him to cut him off. I think you want him to message you back so that you guys can be friends again. And that's okay. But be honest with yourself about it so that you understand what outcome you want. And if you're attached to the outcome, that's when I think it could be bad. And maybe you should heal a little bit and then message so that you don't put too much pressure on his reply. But I think if you're emotionally ready to handle potential rejection, yeah, I think you should do it. Send them a message. Let them know how you feel. Check in. See how they are. You know, let them know what you want from them. Do you want a conversation? Do you want to reconnect? Do you want closure? Like, what do you want? And put that in the message, you know, because I think that when we are just like trying to extend an olive branch and pretend it's just like, oh, here's an olive, but we want more. It's not really fair to the person. I think you need to be honest about what you want out of them with yourself and with them. Heal a little bit to make sure that you're not afraid of the rejection and then send the message. Overall, though, I do think you should reach out because I think it will be helpful to you in this chapter of your life. If you want follow-up advice, send me another DM. I can just DM you back in the um, Let's Get Real Instagram. (sighs) Okay. Okay. I did it. I did a solo episode. I knew I could do it. I did not doubt myself. I love to talk and I'm a full-time content creator. So this is nothing like crazy new to me. 
I did have a three episode podcast one time and I also have a podcast on my Patreon that I do alone. If you're interested, patreon.com slash Ashley Flores TV. Um, but anyways, yeah. So this felt like slightly new territory, but also not because, you know, I do it every week with Brenda. I just don't have someone to like make fun of this week. <laughs> There's no one here to like joke around with and like, you know, have banter with, which is weird, but yeah, I mean, hopefully next week I do have some guests on the podcast. I'm trying to get a male perspective and then maybe like a girl talk episode as well. So we're going to see what we can do with that. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode this week. Let me know what you think, if you can, somewhere on the Instagram, on the rating and review section of the podcast app. Let me know what you thought about the solo episode. I would love to hear it. Send us a DM. Our Instagram is Let's Get Real, the podcast. Make sure if you want to hear us live on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to check out Key Radio. That's C-A-Y-Radio.com. And with that being said, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And I, I, not we, (laughs) I will be back next Monday. (laughs) 